Maybe you've heard of James W. Marshall. He was building a sawmill for Captain John Sutter. Starting to come into clarity for you, isn't it? He was using water from the South Fork of the American River, and it was up near Coloma, which back in the middle 1800s was kind of a remote outpost. It was at that sawmill on January 24th, 1940, or 1848, that James Marshall discovered gold in the water flow through the mill, mill's tail race. It was later revealed that the gold he discovered was in fact pure gold. The following day, Captain Sutter came up to the mine and he asked for the, for the promise of secrecy from all the workers. How did that go? The captain knew that if word got out that, that all his laborers down at the fort here in Sacramento, that they'd just desert him. Well, as we all know, the secret did get out. Gold had been discovered. Within a year, the California gold rush of 1849 would change the course of California, of, of the nation, and, and you could even say the world. It was an incredible discovery. 750,000 pounds of gold were taken out over the next couple years of the gold rush. At this Friday's closing bell, the price of gold was $1,288.30 per troy ounce. That would have been equivalent to uh, the gold they discovered to $14,087,000,000 in today's dollars. As incredible as that discovery was, God wants you and I to discover something far more valuable than gold. There's a treasure for us, but our treasure is actually God's will. That we would discover God's will, that we would seek to, and mine out God's plans, God's directions, God's leading, God's guidance in our life. And if we would do that, if we would seek that and discover that, we will be far richer than discovering any gold or silver that would provide monetary gain. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Revealed, The Will of God Discovered. And what we need to understand is that God's great desire is to reveal himself to us. He wants to reveal his word for our lives. See, God is speaking. And the question for every one of us this morning is, are we actually listening? How loud is the voice of God in our lives? Jesus said something very interesting about those who would follow him. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep, what's the word? My sheep what? My sheep know me. He went on to say uh, in verse 27, he said, my sheep, and what's the word there? My sheep what? What do they do? They, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, nothing is more important than understanding that God desires to talk to us, that you and I can actually hear from him if we would tune in. Jesus once said in Luke chapter 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you and I can tune into God's word, if we can tune into God's will if for our lives, then he can direct us. He can lead us. He can save us a whole lot of time from making a whole lot of mistakes. 
He can comfort us when we need to be comforted. When we need joy, He can provide joy. When we need peace, He can provide peace. He can guide us, and He can lead us. I love what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Listen, Gustus, I, I love you so much. I've prepared a life for you that is literally beyond your comprehension. You can't imagine it. You can't imagine all that I have planned for you. You can't even grasp on your own what it is I have for you. I've prepared so much for you. But he goes on and says in verse 10 that God, what's beyond our comprehension, he said, I've actually revealed it to you by my Spirit. You see, the good news is that the will of God, God's plans for our life, doesn't have to be a mystery. It doesn't have to be something that's so far out there and we can never know it. God says, no, 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 I want to show you my, your, my plans for your life. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to reveal my will for your life. And he says, I'm going to do that. And I do it through my spirit. Psalm chapter 32, I, I love how the psalmist says it. He says this, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. This is God talking. And he goes on and says, don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Now that language, we might not understand what that means. So maybe you're familiar with the fable the fable of the mule or, or uh, Buridan's donkey. And it's this fable of a mule or a donkey who stands between two bales of hay. And they both look equally good to the mule. And so the mule can't decide which one to eat from. Do I go uh, right or do I go left? And the mule can't decide, and so it ends up starving to death. You know, sometimes in life, we can get that way, can't we? I mean, we're standing there in the midst of two decisions, and we're wondering, God, which way should I go? Which way are you leading me to? Which should I choose? What is your will for me, God? Is it this, or is it this? I hope you're catching what God is saying. God is telling us this morning that I have plans for you, that God wants to, to bless our lives, and he wants to guide us, and he wants to lead us. He wants to show us the way. And here's the key. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And, 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 the, and the writer says this. He says, I want you to trust in the Lord with how much of our heart? What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Another translation says he will show you the right way. Don't you want to know the right way for your life? Don't you want to know the right path? Don't you want to know the right direction? Don't you want to know the right decisions that you're, you're called to make? God is saying, let me in. Let me show you the way. How do you do it? He says, trust me. Trust me with all your heart. Trust me with your life. Trust me with your plans. Trust me with your decision making. And are you ready for the next one? He says, as you do that, I don't want you leaning on your own understanding. I've always wondered, what does that mean? What does it mean to not lean on my own understanding? I mean, God gave me a mind and he wants me to use it, but what does it mean to not lean on my own understanding? 
It means not to draw conclusions primarily on my own perceptions. I want you to think that through. God says the key to the life that I want you to live is not found in what we think. It's not found in what we plan. It's not found in our own understanding or our own perception. He's saying it's beyond you. God says something very clearly in Isaiah 53. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declare the Lord. As the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, God's telling us, we don't have the ability on our own to see what he sees. We don't have his perspective. We don't have his wisdom. His ways are higher, better, smarter. If you're a parent who has has raised or is raising a teenager, you actually understand this verse. Because have you ever had your teenage son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter come to you and try to explain the incredible wisdom of the decision they want to make? And you look at them and you try to explain to them how clueless they are right? In a loving way. You don't want to say that too, but you want to, you know, or some of you are just direct and say, hey kid, you're clueless. But you know, like, like they're seeing this much of the picture. They're only 14, 16, 18. They don't understand the whole picture. They don't understand the foolishness of that path that they want to go down. So that's what God's saying about us. As much as we know, God says, my ways are just I know what you don't know. I see what you don't see. I have more insight, more wisdom than you have. And so he says, that's why I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me with all your heart. And when you do that, I will reveal myself to you. Listen, there's no better discovery than knowing we are exactly where God wants us. Can you imagine that? There's no better discovery than knowing that we are on the path that God has for us. There's no better discovery than knowing we are doing what God wants us to do. So maybe you've been praying, and you've been praying, God, what's your will? We, we want to have a child or another child. Maybe you've been praying about God, I, I've been praying about who, who I should date or, or who I should marry. Maybe you're in the midst of, or, or someone you know is in the midst of, you know, trying to choose a university. After all, they've been going to the JC for six years. Maybe you're in the midst of having to make a major purchase. Is this God's will for me? Perhaps you have a couple jobs in front of you, job offers, and you're wondering, is it time to move? Is it time to relocate? Is it time to change? How do you know if it's what God wants you to do? If it's what God wants you to take? If it's what God wants you to give? If it's what God wants you to choose? If it's what, how God wants to lead you? How do you know? God has plans for us. He has a path for us. And God says, I don't want you to lean on your own way of viewing it, your own way of thinking about it, your own perceptions. He says, I'm going to make the path straight for you. I'm going to show you the way. So, question for us is, God, how do I trust you in that with all my heart? How do I know what to do? God, would you reveal that path for me? And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple
couple weeks. That's what we're going to look at. Because each of us have decisions to make every single day. Now, some decisions are super small. Some are, are, are huge decisions with, with big consequences. But in all of those decisions, God wants to reveal himself and his way to you. He wants us to discover his will. He wants us to discover this incredible treasure of his plan for our lives. He wants to direct our steps. He wants to make our path straight. So where does that start? Well, first, God reveals himself or speaks to us, number one, through his text or through his word or or what we call the Bible. If you want to discover God's will, it always starts with the text. Now, here's where I know some of us are tempted. As soon as I just said that, some of us just went like this in our mind. Yawn. He's going to spend a few minutes telling us that we should read the Bible. I'm going to encourage you this morning to step back. God's speaking. Are you hearing his voice? Are you following his plan for your life? And maybe this morning is a time where God speaks to you in a fresh way that you haven't heard before or you haven't been open to before. And you need to understand the primary way he speaks to us, where it starts, is not something way out there or something magical or mystical. God is speaking to us and it starts with his text, with his word. It's his written word to us. The fact that he wrote it down and preserved it for us, that ought to say something to us that it matters. So I just want you to invite you to stay with me. Don't yawn and step aside mentally. See where God might want to take you this morning. In fact, somebody might even say, you know, God never talks to me. I don't hear from God. And the answer really is simple. Okay, well, how often do you read his word that he gave you that he wants to speak to you? It's his word, his text that he primarily speaks to us. And as we read God's word, as we get into that so that we can hear from him, we can hear his direction and his will, we need to apply it correctly. We need to apply it correctly. For example, we don't want to use the point and pick method. Okay, as you're trying to apply it correctly, you don't want to use the point and pick. You know what that is, is you point to a passage, you know, you pick a passage, you read it and say, okay, that's God's will for my life today. That, that's incredibly, uh, you know, dangerous. It's not a good strategy. It's like the guy who, who wanted to know God's will for his life. And so he decided to use the point and pick method. And he opened the Bible and he pointed to Matthew chapter 27, verse 5. And it read this. It said, Judas went out and hanged himself. And the guy thought to himself, oh my goodness, God, is, this, is that your will for my life? I, I don't know, God. So he said, oh, let me try a different passage. So he turned a few more pages and he pointed to Luke chapter 10, verse 37. And it said, go and do the same. Like, ah, gosh, God, are you speaking to me? Is this really your will? And so he flipped again to John 13, verse 27. It says, what you're about to do, do quickly. (laughs) And he said, all right, God, I'll try this one more time. He turned to James 1, verse 22. He said, do not merely listen to the word. You got to do what it says. Now, certainly a silly example. But the reality is our interpretations 
of what God says in his word aren't necessarily that far from that. Like we read a passage and then we draw some crazy conclusions that the passage never intended. Paul told uh, his son in the faith, Timothy, he said this in 2 Timothy 2, he said, I want you to accurately or correctly handle the word of truth. Accurately handle it, correctly handle it. So what does that look like? Let me just give you a couple uh, tips on that as you open God's word or, or some of you who are already in it regularly, I remind you, what does God say? How do you accurately handle his word? We always, always, always figure out who it was written to. What was the context, the initial original context? Hang with me on this for a moment. We want to ask questions. Who was it written to? Why was that letter written? Why was that, um, why was that written by that person? What was going on that caused them to write that? We always start with the original intent of the author. What were they trying to communicate? Well, how does that help me today? Well, it helps us today because we always have to figure out what was originally said, because the Bible will never mean for us today what it never meant before. And so God wants us to start in a place. What did it mean? He's inviting us to spend a little bit of time studying. He's inviting us to dig in, and maybe that means we need some commentaries or, or Bible encyclopedias. One of, the, one of the things that I used growing up all the time was, an NI, was a study Bible. I had an NIV study Bible. And nowadays, I mean, I know we have our Bible on our phones and it's wonderful, but there's value to having that big old giant brick that we carry around. And you know, I had this NIV study Bible growing up and I would take it to camps and I would take it to, to retreats and I would, I, junior high and high school, I had it with me everywhere because if I didn't understand something, I knew there would be extra parts in there to tell me who wrote it and why they wrote it and what it was meant to uh, say originally because I knew I needed to start there. And I kept that Bible. I still have it today. And I'd put stickers on it, and, and I'd highlight it, and underline it, and pages would tear, and this would happen. And, and eventually, I had to pull out, you know, what fixes all things, duct tape, you know? And that Bible sits in my office today, and, it, and it's full of duct tape. And it was so important to me that study Bible that I needed. And so that's a great place to start. If nothing else, you have that study Bible. And you say, God, I want to know, as I'm trying to understand your will for me today, what did you mean when you originally said this? And why did you say it? Know the original context. And then once you know the original context, then you can begin to say, look and discover, God, so what does that then mean to me today? A passage just can't mean what it was never intended to mean. And yet that's where people go today. They'll just point and pick. They'll pick a passage and say, oh, this is, must be what it means. And I can't tell you how many times over the years I've talked with people and they've come to me and they've, they're making a decision or they're seeking God's will for their life. And they said, hey, I read this. And then they drew this conclusion and I got to tell you, in my brain, every single time, my, my mind is screaming out, man, you're nuts. You're crazy. Where did you come up with that? Why? I don't say it out loud. I try to get them to realize they're crazy. It's because they didn't understand what God was saying and what He originally meant and how it was to be interpreted. Because if you understand that, 
then you can more accurately handle the word of truth as it affects us today. I always encourage, I've mentioned this over the years, a great, great book to help you with this, to understand the original context and how to apply it today is the book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It's just one of many, many uh, additional helps. I encourage you to jot that down, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. You're saying, no, I'm going to email you, Chris. No, 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 don't email me. I'm telling you, write it down. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Stewart, or Douglas Stewart. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. If you email me, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now, if you email me on that and say, hey, what was that book you mentioned? I'm going to say, go watch the podcast. Go listen to the podcast. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It's an e- extra resource to help you. There's lots of other resources out there as well. God will reveal His will to you as you read His text. But to make sure it's God's will and not our own will or our own interpretation, God says, I want you to handle my word correctly. I want you to accurately go about reading it and interpreting it. For example, let's say you're in the midst of making a major financial decision. God's word, did you know, is filled with incredible wisdom and principles on how he wants us to live our lives financially. Did you even know that? I mean, it's full of incredible information. God reveals to us so many great principles about money management. And if we would seek those out, for example, we're, we're starting off our new life groups right now for the, for the winter season. And one of the life groups is Financial Peace University, FPU. I taught a bunch of people in our church uh, uh, earlier in the fall semester, and it was an, we had an incredible time. There's a lot of debt in the room, a lot of debt in the room. A lot of money was paid off because people started putting into practice God's principles of money management. And I would encourage some of you to say, hey, I'm going to sign up for that. One of the great things, I'll tell you this, this group of people, about 30 people, had about half a million dollars in debt, okay, non, non-house debt, 55 open credit cards, all, you can go on and on. One of the awesome things about that is I could look around the room and say, guess what? You're not alone. That's a whole lot of people involved. Sometimes we think, wow, we're alone. I'm messed up financially. No, 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 listen to me. You might want to say, I'm going to join FPU because I want to learn God's principles on money management because I want to get this right. I encourage you to sign up after, uh, after our time this morning. And if you take those principles that God gives us in his text and you apply them correctly, you will experience financial freedom, financial margin, financial peace. You will be what God wants you to be, which is incredibly generous. And God will provide for your needs. But if we don't follow God's word and his principles that he teaches us, we'll find ourselves in this case, you know, financially in trouble. At the end of the day, our lives will be better when we live according to his revealed will in his word. That's what the psalmist is getting at in Psalm 81. In fact, I haven't had you turn to a verse yet. I want you to see these. Psalm 81. Would you turn with me? Psalm 81. We're going to look at a couple of verses, and I want you to notice what God's getting at with us here. Because our life will be better if we follow His will according to His revealed will in His Word. Psalm 81, let's look at verse 10. He says this. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. 
God's saying to us, hey, listen, I just want you to open yourself up as wide as you can to me. And if we do that, he says, I'm going to pour out blessing into your life. And that's how this starts. But notice the next verse. That's God's great desire for us. Verse 11. But my people would not what? My people would not listen to me. Israel would not what? Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn heart to follow their own devices. Please don't miss this. God is saying, I want to reveal myself to you. I want to reveal my will to you. That means we need to, what what do we need to do? Listen and what's the other word? Submit. We listen and we submit to God. But God does say this. If you want to make your own decisions, if you want to rely on your own understanding and your own perceptions, you can do it, but God is essentially saying you're on your own with that. This, uh, another translation of this says, you can follow your own plans. Here's another translation. You can live according to your own ideas. But God says you need to know you're going to live with the consequences of those actions. He says, I, I want to give you a life that you just can't imagine. It's going to take your breath away. It'll be incredible. It'll be amazing. In fact, he says in verse 13, look at the picture he paints for us. He says, if my people would but, what's the word, would but, listen to me. If Israel would follow my ways, how quickly I'd subdue their enemies and turn my head against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. God's like, I want to give you my best. I want to satisfy you. I want your life to overflow with blessing. I want to bring you satisfaction. I have incredible things, incredible plans for your life. But for the Israelites, God said it didn't happen for them. Why? Because they weren't willing to listen to him. They weren't willing to follow him or or submit to him. It all starts with listening, following or submitting to God's revealed will that's in his word. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37 says, Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. You're praying about God's will. You made a commitment to somebody, whatever the commitment is. You, you, you made a commitment, you said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Do you ever have to go back and say, I, you know what? I need to pray, should I stick with that commitment? Should I, you know, I've fallen on hard times, or I have a difficult situation in front of me, or my, my circumstances have changed. God, I'm wondering, I made this commitment to this person. God, do you still want me to keep my word? I said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's already revealed his path for you. You don't go what's already written in his word. By the way, many, many passages just tell us this is God's will. There are so many passages that are revealed to us it, did you, what does God say about this idea of being grateful? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. God's saying, you're to be a person who gives thanks, who's full of gratitude. That's, that's my will for you. I've revealed it to you. You don't have to wonder. 
God said this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. You want to know what God feels about sexual immorality or about sexual purity or all that? He says, here's my will. You avoid immorality. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. For it is God's will that we do good. So he just tells us over and over and over, I've already revealed this to you. You don't even have to wonder. But you'll never know it unless you open my word and you read it. As we become people committed to seeking his will in the text and we accurately handle the word of truth, what is the key way to view all of Scripture? I want to wrap up with this. As you are seeking to do that, to understand context, to understand what God's saying to you today, What's the lens? What's the grid? What's the filter? Because there's a lot in there. There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament or an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. The Old Testament Covenant, there's like 600 and something laws. And in the New, there's a lot of instructions. How do I take all that for my life? What, what's the grid? What's the filter I view it through? Well, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. So that whole half your book, three quarters of your book that we call the Old Testament, and you're wondering, man, there's a lot in there. What do I do with all that? Jesus says, I've, I'm not getting rid of that. I want to fulfill the whole thing. And he made it clear what the fulfillment of that looks like. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He also said it in John chapter 15. Jesus says, I fulfilled three quarters of what's written in the Bible, and I'm giving you this new commandment, and here's what it is. You love one another. Well, God, you already gave us that commandment. You know, love God, love others, right? We already know that's the first, second greatest commandments. Love God, love others. And he said, let me explain the new part. As I have loved you, so you love one another. How did Jesus love us? What did he do for us? What did he do? He died for us, right? He literally gave his life. He sacrificed his own life. You and I, if we want to understand as we get into this text and what it is all about, he's saying the ultimate fulfillment of the entire word as you're getting into his text, don't forget, love is the supreme interpretation of the entire thing. It's the ultimate summation of everything that God has taught us. And so that's the grid, that's the filter by which we read and view the text, the Bible, the Word of God. Love, sacrificially. When you begin to figure out, seek God's will, and you want to avoid being one of those crazy people who draw crazy conclusions that God never intended, never meant, says, you view it all through the grid of loving self-sacrificially. And when you view it through those lenses, His Word becomes really clear to us. Listen, 750,000 pounds of gold were discovered during the California gold rush. Almost $15 billion. But the real gold, the real discovery for us, it's God's will. God's will, God's plans, God's direction in our life, would you be willing to seek that treasure? Would you be willing to invest more time, more energy, more of your heart 
into his revealed will, which is found in the Bible or the, what we call the, or the text. Would you be willing to spend the time and the energy and the effort to mine out God's plans, God's will, God's direction, God's leading in your life? That is where true riches are going to come for all of us. The place to start is not up in Coloma. It's not on the American River. It's the text. It's the Word of God. The author of Hebrews says this Word of God, this text, it's alive, it's active, and it's the primary way that God wants to speak to us. You want to hear from Him? He's speaking. Are you listening?